0: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back with you guys for another show and another episode of our Analyzing Arsenal series. I'll look back at the most recent Arsenal fixture. It's a little bit of a painful one um, because we definitely could have a lot, got a lot more than we did from the fixture. But Arsenal's 2-1 home loss to Manchester City, was a, there was a lot more positive to take from it than maybe the uh, the final scoreline suggests. To do so, I'm always joined by Josh Williams. How are you doing, mate? Are you well? Are you good? Good, mate, yeah, feeling refreshed and uh, looking forward to talking about football again. Yeah, enjoy your New Year's. Was it eventful or was it pretty quiet like most people's this year, to be fair? <laughs> I'd say it was pretty quiet,
1: yeah, but it was. Um, I've had about 10 days off or something like that, so as I said, feeling quite refreshed, ready to get back to it. And um, Lots of football obviously happened over the Christmas mm-hmm. period, but I haven't spoken about any of it, so... Uh, yeah, this is a you know a controversial game to speak about to come back to. It is,
0: yeah, it is. I mean, the, the kind of all the talk from Arsenal fans has obviously been around the the decisions on the day and kind of, and that's not really what we're we're here to talk about. Is obviously kind of the the tactical side of decision making. But I feel like it would be a miss if I didn't get kind of your thoughts on kind of the officiating as a whole and kind of the decisions as a whole. So where did you kind of sit on on some of those decisions that were made?
1: I thought Arsenal were were very unlucky on the day, um, but I also think that you have to also kind of own your own mistakes. And I think Arsenal put themselves—they they gave the referee decisions to make basically, which, yeah. which you know that's the only way you can look at it. Really, I do think that for me it wasn't a penalty, um, and I think the the red card, obviously two yellows. I think you know they're both minor offences, let's say, but. At, at the same time, Jacques is stupid enough to put himself in, in that position and to, to, yeah. to do what he did. And Gabriel is is stupid enough to, to class her class through a player uh, despite the fact that he's on a booking. So I think it's very much in the Arsenal mould, I think, of, of the past few years. I think Arsenal are moving away from that, but it does always feel like there's a a calamitous moment in certain players. Um and that that can cost you the results sometimes, and so I do I do think Arsenal were hard done by but The only way you can look at it from inside the club is we we can't put the referee in those positions again to mm. give them the opportunity to make those decisions.
0: Obviously, the person that gave the penalty away was Granit Xhaka. Gabriel was the the guy who got the red card. That happened after the penalty. It was the senior player that was involved in yet another kind of controversial moment and Xhaka is and has that reputation for doing, you know, absent-minded things, as we all know. Do you feel like, and you said that Arsenal got this reputation and like they always kind of have this moment of a, a self-destruct button, if you like, within them. Do you feel like there's a, there's a motive for Arsenal now to try and move away from, say, Granite Xhaka so that those young players like Gabriel aren't then looking to their senior figures, making their mistakes and being as equally rash, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, I, I do think that specifically from a data perspective, Granjaka does offer nice things specifically yeah. on the ball. Um, I think from the data side, I think he's always been a a progressive passer, a, a player who's able to move the ball from A to B, get players into valuable areas. And he's obviously quite a, you know, a, a kind of like a, a leadership type figure, I think I might say. And obviously, he's had some clashes with the fans in the past, but I think in terms of his figure and him being a talker and things like that, he's got that element about him. But I do think he's always had, and some players just have this in their nature. There's no way around it. They just are error-prone at the end of the day. They're just prone to mistakes, prone to moments of madness. And... Um, you can think of plenty. I think if you look at Manchester City, for example, Kyle Walker maybe comes to mind as a player who's got a bit of him. Um, Liverpool had Dejan Lovren a few years back, good player, but at the same time prone to just chaos in in, in his own head at times. And I think if Arsenal are going to improve and get to a point where they're posting real consistent results every single week, you have to move away from those disastrous individual letters. And sometimes the only way to do that is by replacing the players, but. As I said, Jack has got nice traits attached to his game, beneficial traits attached to his game. That if Arsenal are going to replace, they have to find a player who also does that, but doesn't have the the error-prone side. Hopefully,
0: absolutely. You mentioned a second ago, kind of that these have have maybe overshadowed what was a good performance from Arsenal on the day. And I mean, if we compare that game to say the Liverpool match earlier in the season, where again they started quite well but fell away, and you know. We talk about kind of individual moments and mistakes. The individual moment in the Liverpool game was similarly when Arteta lost his head on the sidelines with Klopp and his team kind of followed suit. But the difference was is that Arsenal were able to kind of... They regain their composure after... Conceding the penalty, and it was only right into the end when that kind of that moment with with Rodri that that got City that winning goal. But looking at kind of how they press City the entire game, I've, I haven't seen many teams give City as hard of a time in a match for as long as Arsenal were able to during this game. Do you think? It's an ele- do you think this is evidence of progression? Do you think this is a, a one-off fixture where they were kind of up, up for it? Or do you think it's something that you would expect Arsenal to, to continue showing in the, in the even like against the lower league oppositions?
1: No, I actually think this was a, a real top performance, personally. Um, I thought this was a proper coming-of-age performance, actually. Obviously, the results doesn't suggest as much. But if you look at the way Arsenal performed against the best team in the country arguably the best team in Europe. I think it was very much a, you know, a, a, like a poster boy performance of what Artest is trying to move towards. Um, and I think there's this, plenty of talk, isn't there, about the whole trust the process thing. You know, that's a very popular <laughs> catchphrase. Not just popular is a word, yes.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, the reason that's such a controversial catchphrase is because so often, Teams employ the wrong coach, so there's no point in trusting the process if the process is bad. There's no point in trusting the process and wasting time giving a coach three, four years at the end of the three, four years. You haven't even moved, you know, in exactly the same place. There's been quite a bit of debate over Arteta's time in charge as to whether he's the right man for the job. And I think this performance, even more so than some of the nice wins that the team have picked up this season, you know, I think they've been You know, was it Newcastle 4-0 or something like that recently? And I think I did that game and beat Leicester 2-0. Some nice wins in there, but I think this game against the top, top side, I think Arsenal played in a really proactive way, really aggressive way um, and caused City far more problems than I'm used to seeing them um, encounter. So I think it was a very, very good performance. I think although Arsenal fans will feel a little bit bitter towards it and a little bit uh, frustrated by the results. I think it should be viewed as a, a real indicator of what's to come, basically.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I, t- I came away from the game, obviously, frustrated as an Arsenal fan that we hadn't taken the points, but I was asking for a performance that we saw and I can't, you know, take that away from, from the team as a whole. Individual errors aside, it was a really, really impressive display. Looking at kind of the team shape on the day, Man City obviously dominated possession and pass numbers and all of that, but when... Arsenal got on the ball it was interesting to see kind of how they went at City because Martinelli's energy was was electric throughout the game I thought his decision making was a bit off at times and certainly was that of a 20 year old winger and, and that kind of came to the fore there were times where he could have passed that he didn't he tried to take the shot at goal when maybe there's a better chance on but it was interesting how kind of and I think the last time we spoke Josh was when Aubameyang it was just after Aubameyang's captaincy controversy and we were talking about how Lacazette coming into the team, and I remember you saying that you're a big fan of Lacazette and you like what he brings to Arsenal's team at times. Do you think that there is a real correlation between the step-up in Arsenal's form, Lacazette's introduction, and how he kind of links with those players around him, if you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, potentially. I mean, he's he's certainly very different to, to Aubameyang in terms of his willingness to come towards the ball and link play and left like number 10 type spaces rather than Aubameyang, who... Is, we know it's very quick, so he's more inclined to stretch the play running behind and create spaces more in the 10 area, as that's where Lacazette seems to drop into. So it mm-hmm. does change the dynamic quite a lot. And I think pairing Lacazette in particular with with Martinelli has a, has been a perfect stormer in, in a way because Martinelli, such a direct player, um, player who's just interested in where the goal is and very little else. Um, when he gets the ball, where's the goal? I have to score if I haven't scored. It's useless, and I think having a player who's as direct as that, coupled with a more advanced striker, who's well, supposed to be more advanced but usually ends up in a bit bit more withdrawn areas, that's usually a nice little blend to have, um, and I think Arsenal have got that at the minute, they've got a few players who are chipping in with goals across the park, um, but I think specifically pairing Lacazette like with players who are going to run beyond them, like Martinelli, I think is, yeah. is going to benefit Arsenal.
0: Yeah, I think that a player like Martinelli, obviously, as I've just alluded to there, needs to improve in certain areas. But it is that electric energy, the pressing, everything that Arteta demands from a player is in his game. And, and when you combine that with Odegaard's aggressiveness and Lacazette's style, it just kind of seem to fit. The the goal was interesting uh, on, on the day, obviously, Lacazette creating that space, blocking off Ake, opening up that room for, for Saka to finish with Tierney being more direct. It's interesting seeing Tierney's change because I remember back when we were talking ahead of the Liverpool game, whether or not Tavares or Tierney should start to face uh, Mohamed Salah. We're now looking at a teeny that seems really invigorated. I think he's got something like three or four assists in his last six games or something. Maybe not that, be that high. I think something like around three assists in kind of his last six games or so. But since coming back into the team, he looks a renewed force in that, in that team. And, and maybe the, the Tavares threat has kind of given him maybe a kick up the backside that I didn't even think he even needed in the first place. But he's, he's taken his game to another level.
1: Yeah, I mean this this was gonna be an episode where I was gonna do my best and not talk about Liverpool, but <laughs> I, I think yeah. there's very, very it's very, very similar at Liverpool in terms of Robertson and the threat of Simicas. Um Robertson missed a few games, Simicas came in and he was talking amongst the fan base that Simicas is, is is offering nice things and he's in better form and stuff like that. And Robertson he's suspended at the minute, funnily enough, but he when he did come back in. He did show that kind of, um, that kind of like you know, this is my spot type thing. Tierney, is, I think, is very comparable to Robertson, both Scottish as well. Funny enough, both got mm-hmm. that kind of a uh, you know, really driven mentality and, and stuff like that. So, I do think sometimes that sort of thing can just give certain players a bit of a kick. And players like Tierney, players like Robertson do come to mind as players who do view the game in that kind of traditional way, almost where. You know, you kind of lay one on your opponents in the first two minutes and um, you don't give, your, give your, your teammates who's behind you when you sit in your position any, any, any light, any room to, to play because you're always in the position yourself. So, um, yeah, I'm not surprised really to see Tierney getting a, getting a bit of a boost there.
0: Yeah, it's. I think it's just nice in the consistency of the back four, to be honest. And I know that Tommy Asu coming back into the the team was a big, big plus for Arsenal on the day. That Tommy Asu, White, Gabriel, Tierney, and Ramsdale five is just. It's as I say, it's refreshing not to have constant changes we have seen over the last however many years at Arsenal. And you have the same thing with Liverpool when you add Van Dijk and Matip, of course, and and Trent and and obviously Robertson. When you've got that established, settled group that they can then build the chemistry and the understanding between between them, it does take you on to, to much, much better places. So I look forward to seeing that more. The last kind of thing that I wanted to really focus in on from the game was obviously, again, kind of circling back to Lacazette's influence because we are in the January window, Josh, which is obviously our favourite and busiest time of the year. Um, and Arsenal are on the lookout to try and bring a striker in. There's reports coming from Italy suggesting that they're pushing very hard for for Dusan Vlaovic of Fiorentina. Uh, but what's interesting about that is that, he seems a very, very different style of striker to Lacazette, who has dropped in, has linked up players, pressed. As I think he's got something like uh, he's two above or more than two uh, average pressures per 90 uh, over the average of strikers on the continent, whereas you look at Vlaovic, who's far below that average of pressures. Do you think that Arteta would be a bit naive to bring in a striker that's not necessarily got that energy about their game, knowing that's exactly the kind of style that he's asking from his players? Yeah,
1: I I would have a question mark on the on Vlahovic's name to be honest. I think he's mm-hmm. he's quite clearly got potential, you know, left footed, only twenty one years old, um, and he's scored a fair amount of goals in the past two seasons in Serie A. So he's got plenty plenty of potential there, and certainly one for, for most clubs across Europe to keep an eye on. But in terms of stylistic fit, I'm not really sure he's he's the most good to Arsenal. When I think of Arsenal at the best, and this is going back to when I was when I was a child, you know, watching like to see on replays like that i think of just fluidity just speed um interchanging of positions and and things like that and i think if you if you put a player like Vlahovic in your side i think it's it's le- it's less the case really i think you you have a player there who's kind of fixed in the middle in the penalty box who everybody else moves around and that's not so bad you know if you were to put robert Lewandowski in in arsenal's team that would be the case. That's, that's how things would work. The difference is, though, Lewandowski in comparison to Vlachovic is much better. And I think yeah. Vlachovic is, you know, he's not the most mobile. He's benefited a fair amount over the past two seasons from penalties. I think he scored 11 penalties in the past two seasons in Syria. Um, doesn't score too many from open play. So I'm not sure if he's the best fit. For Arsenal, I think Arsenal could potentially find better better out there. Um but I'm not sure how serious the link is, personally. I, I'm only getting, you know, reports from a distance.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think there's interest from Arsenal. I think that's been clear from kind of the number of reports from different places, but about how real a bid is and how likely that an actual deal is, is I think still very much far off. I mean, sticking with that, Josh, I'd be interested to know what kind of strikers that that you like that are out there that do press, that do give kind of that energy that can link up a bit like Lacazette that you feel would be out there and available. Who would be kind of your uh, go-tos in that field?
1: A player that comes to mind, who I think I might have flagged a few months ago, is Jonathan David. I think mm-hmm. he's he's a player who seems like a almost like a much younger version of Lacazette, who can maybe go to a higher level, maybe, um, maybe with a bit more of a well rounded game potentially. Um, only twenty one years old, uh, he's won League One already, and he's at Lille, who are I think they've dropped off a little bit this season. Not obviously they lost the coach, they lost the head coach. Um, but if you look at Jonathan David's numbers, he stands out when it comes to
0: non-penalty goals and yeah. when it comes to
1: pressures. So, so he's
0: in the 90th percentile or something for extra non-penalty goals. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, seems to be relatively two-footed and he's good in little tight spaces and things like that. Quite strong, good upper body strength. So, he looks like a player who, in the next few years, is going to be one of the top strikers in, on the continent, really. Yeah. Um, and he's been linked with plenty of clubs in, in the Premier League at the minute, I think. He's been linked with Liverpool in the past and yeah, West Ham. Uh, into Milan, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. West Ham, like, as well. West Ham, as well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he looks like a top a top striker. And it's just a case of when you take the chance on him, when you move on. I think certain clubs who maybe aren't as desperate could maybe wait for him to keep doing it. Mm. But I seem like Arsenal could potentially get ahead of the curve by taking a risk by jumping in this early, but once you've got him, it looks to me like he's he's only going to improve.
0: It does. And I think that and I was I'm writing a piece today about kind of how Vlaovic doesn't necessarily suit Arsenal's best interests and when looking through the pressures and and strikers out there that score goals and add to the kind of the pressing game, he's just immediately the the top candidate and it's unsurprising to see him up there because he's kind of had that throughout his career again and then moving to Lille too. So it's something that's been consistent. It's not just a new thing and one that would be, you'd think, easily transmissible to the Premier League if he was to move to Arsenal. Um, Rounding things off uh, as positively as possible, Josh, after this recent run of form, and it has been a little while since I've spoken to you, and seeing kind of how the likes of Man United and Spurs are performing, how are you from an outside perspective perceiving Arsenal as top four candidates this season? I I think I believe that they're
1: capable a lot more than I did when you last asked me this. I think I can't yeah. remember when you asked me last, but when I it was when after. I, the-
0: Oh, it must have been after the, not not the Liverpool game, but maybe the Everton game, I think it was, when we lost to Everton at Goodison Park, yeah. Yeah, I think at the time,
1: I had a little bit more faith in Man United than I do now. Mm. And I had a question mark attached to whether Arsenal had enough goals to to get fourth, I think, at the time. Yeah. If I had to pick a team now who will get fourth, I would pick Spurs. Um, But behind that, I think it would be Arsenal. Um, ahead of Man United at the minute ahead of West Ham um, it's going to be an interesting race actually it's going to be tight but I think you know Antonio Conte he just wins he's just, he's just a winner So, and he seems to be doing it already at Spurs so I think that's going to be quite tight but um, I do think Arsenal are in for a good season and I think based on particularly the performance against Manchester City I think Arsenal is certainly moving in that direction
0: It's good to hear Josh thank you so much mate as always uh, for coming on the show tell people where they can find you
1: uh, on Twitter at distance covered, so uh, do give me a follow.
0: There you go. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Lots of statistical analysis and uh, breaking down plenty of football matches across not just England, but uh, I'm sure your interests go beyond there as well with your links to to Jonathan David being thrown in there, of course. Can't (laughs) wait to get through some transfer rumours with you probably a little bit later on in January. But thank you, Josh, once again. You can find myself at Tom Cantor Media and The Arsenal Way at The Arsenal Way N5 on Twitter. We will see you very, very soon and as always, keep following us down The Arsenal Way.